Welcome to Talk, Train, Eat, Live. Welcome to episode five of Talk, Train, Eat, Live. And today I'm talking with James St. Ledger. He is a CrossFit athlete, family man and online coach. Um, He's from the Bristol area. Welcome, James, to the podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, Yeah, that was a brief introduction from, you know, your taglines. What uh, expand? What else do you do? And um, yeah, give us a bit more about who you are and what you do day to day. Yeah, uh, expanding on what you've uh, brought up. So the CrossFit side of things, I've been competing in CrossFit for, I'd say about eight years now. Um, Really, really enjoy it. Got the bug on the first day I tried it. And then, yeah, the, the, the following eight years have unfolded quite nicely. And I'm sure we'll touch on what's happened uh, in a little bit. Uh, family side of things, uh, wife, two kids, got third on the way due beginning of next year. So 21. Very uh, good. Uh, so it's a all new ball game and a kettle of fish with the third coming along. <laughs> but yeah, really, really excited for that. Um, yeah, what, what else was there? Uh, online coach, personal tra- and you used to do some personal training as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so I've uh, did personal training a while back, um, moved into the coaching side of things in CrossFit gyms, um, and then alongside that, and where I've now gone down the main route of is online programming um, and online coaching. So I don't, you know, I'm not tied down to a certain time in a gym. I get to do it remote, so I've got clients all over the world, which is um. It's exciting. It's a good challenge. Uh, they've all got different wants and needs. Uh, so it challenges me as well as me getting to challenge them, which is lovely. Great. In terms of that, then, just touching on that, do you have um, your kind of client base? Are they a, a varied? So they're not just CrossFit athletes or what's the, how does it vary between your, your client base? Um, clients have come and gone. Uh, I've had a couple of runners or people that just wanted to do running and improve their game for running be it a five or ten K or even one person was half marathon. Um I've had a couple of people that want to do Iron Man training. Uh, but weird enough one of those guys then transitioned into CrossFit because he's enjoying all the, the extra strength work and accessory stuff I was giving him. Okay. Um but the bulk of the people who I have now are CrossFit athletes uh, they, they do crossfit as their their main sport of their main right they're choosing to pursue um and they're all varied abilities um which is yeah it's, it's good um i've got you know a few people of similar abilities um, so i get to compare scores that come in against them when they when they do similar pieces okay yeah it's a very unique individual approach so everyone's different um with what i give them because it's yeah. starting points different goals different ambitions uh so yeah i'm good so um we were just talking before we started there so for everyone listening so i kind of james we've known each other for a number of years um his first thing that kind of came to light for myself was he completed a thing called the the dragon challenge um and i think it was a was it a body power it was a fitness expo in the uk Um, when we were able to do those kind of things before COVID. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you can, it's kind of, yeah, in simple words, explain what that Dragon Challenge was. I said that was the first thing that came to me, uh, I I knew about you. Explain it. So the the challenge uh, consisted of a 16-kilo dumbbell in each hand. Um, And what you had to do was curl and then press with alternating arms, um, basically until you couldn't curl and press anymore. Uh, you weren't allowed to use your legs, so there was no sort of leg drive to assist with momentum. So it was loosely a strict curl and then a, so a strict bicep curl and then a strict shoulder press with one arm, one rep, and then once that arm's hanging by the side, the other arm would be working. Uh, it was simple rules. You couldn't let go of the dumbbell. You couldn't rest the dumbbell on anything else other than your shoulders or, I guess, overhead and the overhead position. Yeah. Couldn't use your leg drive, you know, couldn't put the dumbbells down and you just have to keep on going for as long as possible. Uh, the dragon element of it is because it was devised by a father and son 
combo whose surname was so the first name of the father was called Dragon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. G R A G O N. Um, and they were undefeated for quite some time. These guys. Uh, they took their challenge all over the world. Uh, there's a couple of YouTube videos of them on Venice Beach taking on a number of people who are basically tag teaming their efforts to try and beat this sole person who is just continually going nonstop. Um, but yeah, I don't know why. Actually, I do. Um, it was <laughs> just before Christmas, and it's the whole New Year, New Me, let's do a challenge for January kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is different. That looks absolutely bonkers. Let's just give it a go. Um, and so I did. Um, my first effort was quite poor. I think I had 53 repetitions or something. Okay. And so I say poor in comparison to what these guys were doing. They were hitting over a thousand reps. Um, one sitting. Um, and on, on the flight, on the advert that was showing this uh, competition, there was a grand final um, at Body Power five months later. Um, in May, and the prize was you know, a year's worth of supplements from a, a sporting company. And I just thought, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's a new challenge to do. Let's just give it a go. Um, so pretty much every other day, or every third day throughout January, February, March, April, and then May, leading into the competition, I just picked up these dumbbells and just lifted and lifted and lifted. And every session, I was beating my previous score. Yeah, I didn't have like a little a tail off week or tail off couple of sessions where I would just get a, a minimum number of reps done just to keep just keep ticking over really. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, ended up going to Body Power and uh, I think there was 10 or, 10 or so of us on stage and we were all synchro lifting in time with Dragon um, who was setting the pace for this. And one by one, sure enough, we just started dropping like flies until it was left with me and this other guy on stage. Yeah. Um, and we only had an hour on an hour time slot on stage, and I don't think they envisage anyone going for an hour of non-stop <laughs> bicep curling and straight pressing. Uh, so when they realised that we weren't going to stop, they decided to do a sprint finish. Uh, it's either one minute or three minutes. I can't remember what the time was. But it was a sprint finish, and the winner was decided you know whoever got the most amount of reps in that sprint um and fortunately enough i won it it was good um i can't remember by how many reps um i won but i think it was 850 something total right. reps in the hour in just a, yeah it was just just under an hour because they had to introduce us and then clear us off stage uh so yeah that was kind of like my introduction into the the fitness world because i didn't yeah fitness things existed you know, the convention that it was held at body power um so yeah that was my introduction to the fitness so world. That, that was your kind of first was that would you say that was your first kind of fitness challenge as well that you did or has there been anything before that because i know obviously you get a bit of a performance sport youth as well would that be fair to say so i did uh can you say competitive gymnastics i did gymnastics as a kid and then I remember competing, I think I must have been six or seven at the Avon County Championships. Um, I came sixth then. So I, you know, I had a little bit of gymnastic background. I then progressed into swimming. Uh, started competitive swimming when I was eight. Right. Did all the way through until the uh, beginning of university. Uh, when I was 15 and 16, I also did like, quite competitive rugby. Um, made the Bristol squad, um, but that only lasted a couple of years because quite a late developer, um, and I was starting to get squashed in every rugby game. Guys right. were living at quite a rate, and I was still quite tiny. So although it served me really good purpose for my position, I was able to you know, dodge and weave out of people on the field. When they did catch me, I was getting crushed. Uh, so yeah, the rugby, um, it was great. I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't as long lasting as the other things I've done. Um, after the swimming, when I went to university, I decided I didn't want to be staring at tiles and smelling chlorine all the time. So I did very uneducated weight training, which is basically bicep curls and bench press. Right. Okay. So yeah, classic, classic gym work. That's fine. <laughs> um, 
came out of that and started doing mixed martial arts. Okay. Um, and that was the first time I really then started training legs. Uh, so that's when my training started to get a little bit more educated, should we say. I then dabbled in strongman competitions uh, based around my body weight, so not actually competing against the super, like super heavyweight yes. guy. It's I know what you mean. Based on your body weight and percentage of lifts and stuff. Uh, so I did that. Then, uh, then, yeah, then discovered the, this dragon challenge. And then a couple of years into the dragon challenge and the training for that, I then discovered CrossFit. And it was kind of then CrossFit from then on. Because you had, you had quite a window. Again, I'm, I'm only thinking back to again to knowing you and social media probably even back then as years ago. A bit, quite a, a chunk of window of, let's be honest, being almost being a bodybuilder. That's what your training was focused around, wasn't it? Really? Was there a chunk of time before the CrossFit kicked in? Yeah, so I think it might be stemming from my gymnastics. Right. Um, and then the strongman side of things for the, the strongman events that I did. Okay. Because I, 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 although I'm, I'm sure I've seen photos of you oiled up in like in different situations, not in any promiscuous situations, my ad, but you know. Uh... It actually worked because that does sound real dodge. <laughs> After I won the Dragon Challenge at Body Power, I got picked up by. Um, a sporting company called Grenade. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Grenade then opened my eyes an awful lot more to the the, the wider side of fitness, um, the bodybuilding side of things. Um, I was the only guy in the team who wasn't actually a bodybuilder. All the other guys competed on stage, so they were you know, uh, physique competitors or the girls or bikini girls. Or... Pause you there, James. We just lost you for about ten seconds. Okay, where should I go from? Uh, the, you said, do the Dragon Challenge, supplement company, grenade. Okay. Go. <laughs> go from there. Okay, so, um, yeah, so from, from off the back of winning the, uh, the Dragon Challenge at Body Power, I got picked up by a sporting company uh, called Grenade, and they actually opened my eyes a lot more to the wider industry and the side of things. Um, I was actually the only person on their team who wasn't a bodybuilder. Um, so their team was it was made up of bikini competitors, fitness competitors, physique competitors, and then amateur bodybuilders. And I just had the body, not a bodybuilder because I wasn't quite that muscly. Um, a physique competitor look, yeah, as a byproduct of the training I'd done, as opposed yeah. to training specifically for physics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I was with them, um, there was a loose requirement to look a certain way. Um, obviously, well, obviously, um, when the shows were and when they asked us to make appearances, all the other guys happened to be on the build-up and the back end towards a competition. So they were all in like ridiculously good nick and yeah, yeah. low body fat percentage. And I just didn't want to be the chubby one. And then that's how I'm stupid now looking back on it because, yeah, it's nowhere near. As in, yeah, in comparison to those sort of body fat levels of a competitor, yeah, yeah. The, the, the norm from what we even see now as, you know, low body fat is ridiculous. It's not, it's not an everyday appearance, is it? It's not, no, no. These guys, they, they train, they peak for this particular show. And then once the show's finished, they then get back to see a normal level and they put their body fat back on. Um, but yeah, so when there were these shows and the expos and when we were taken around, we, I mean, it was good. We were taken around uh, to quite a few expos all over the world. And um, whenever that was the case, uh, in myself, I just felt a slight requirement to look a certain way. So I would watch what I was eating a little bit more, yeah. necessarily train, change my training, because I think as a fact, the background of all of my trainings in the, you know, the past years, I just been fortunate enough that the byproduct of that is a certain image as opposed to training specific to look, yeah look a certain way yeah so yes so off the back of that and these shows um you do put a bit of oil on your body because it does just help <laughs> the definition and you, know, you 
do get a fake tan because it does make you feel a little bit better and it also makes you fit in with the group i remember one year and uh it was las vegas i didn't get a tan for it and there's a photo of the team and i look like casper the ghost <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah I, I stood out i stood out very i stood out a lot i don't know if it's for the right or wrong reasons but i was like nah, i don't really want to be that really really pale pasty guy um so yeah you know you put a bit of a fake tan on and you make more of an effort to get a tan when the sun did come out you know, outside yeah yeah okay so that was okay yeah so that, that so although grenade and that was going on your, your training still behind then at the time you, you'd already started your crossfit style training yeah. uh and then i suppose yeah so give us a, a brief well actually tell you what why don't you for those people who you know most people have heard the word crossfit they know may know people who go to a crossfit gym or have seen crossfit advertised seen the games on tv literally this weekend it was on wasn't it yesterday yeah, um right. so give us a in your kind of own layman's breakdown normal terms crossfit what is it and what's it about if you want if you could explain to someone oh, right i'm not wanting to give you what the, the textbook spiel is <laughs> no. no exactly it's a we have a training system for a better word um it just picks and chooses quite a lot of other sports slams them all together and just kind of makes you like an all-rounded athlete so depending on how the gym programs you might be doing olympic lifting on one day you'll be doing gymnastics the next you might be doing some aerobic work the day after that uh, you might then be doing some sort of like absolute strength work so just doing a couple of reps of a squat or a bench or a pull-up or a deadlift. Um, yeah. And then, again, depending on the gym programs, you'll then have some sort of accessory work or a conditioning piece where you know, you've done the bulk of the session, you've done the hard work, and now you're just going to sweat a bit for however long they determine you're going to sweat. Okay. So that's, in a nutshell, that's, that's CrossFit. So in terms of you kind of discovering it, finding it, and then going through your progress, how has that been? And, you know, briefly over the, how, sorry, seven years, eight years? Yeah, probably eight years now. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, we'll go for eight years. It's been, okay. So like yeah, it. so what's your, you know, again, what's your journey been through CrossFit and how have you, the challenges, the pitfalls, the bits that you've gone, damn, I wish I could have done that different better at that time you know just briefly eight years in a few minutes <laughs> uh turned up um first session uh tried to do some olympic lifting which i've never had any coaching in before and i was falling apart couldn't quite understand it because i was strong i in my head was capable i'd never have that actual coaching so looking back on those videos, those early videos, I was like, I wish I had more in-depth coaching really early on. Yeah. Um, gyms are quite good now in that when you go along for your first session, uh, they will, or they should, should I say, do some sort of assessment on you. And it'll either be a movement assessment, um, it'll cover the lifts you're gonna do, it'll cover how they run the classes, and I'd like to think that if there's anything glaringly obvious in how you move, they'll also advise you on how to correct it. And so I wish that that had happened sooner with me. Yeah. Um, the competitive side of swimming, uh, when that finished, I was always looking for something else to be competitive in or with. Uh, so once I realized I was going to be doing CrossFit for a while and I kind of got hooked on the variance of it because every session was different. There's so many things to try and perfect or be better at. Um, I wish I got a coach sooner because I was dabbling around for about four years, just doing, doing what the classes were in the gym, doing extra bits on the side. Um, but again, I, I wish I'd had a specific coach sooner than I got one. Um, so just give me that objective overview of what i was doing um, and you know making me improve in what i needed to work on as opposed yeah. to what i wanted to do because the nature of humans is you'll always do what you want to do and you'll avoid the things you don't like and it's often things you don't like in crossfit it's the things we need to work on because they're hard and 
you know, not everyone can have the mindset of turning up to a session and working on the things that you're not particularly good at. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always give you that buzz of, yes, brilliant, you know, I've had a really good session, it's really successful. You'd be walking away thinking, oh, I've just done what feels like basics, but it is so important to cover those basics before you try and do anything complicated. Yeah, you know, yeah. Injury or you're going to open yourself up to a plateau really, really early on, or then start going backwards because you've just not built up those base foundations of your fitness. And I suppose that, that massively fits into then when, when you decided to start competing or start to, you know, step in towards competing, yeah. that straight away highlights your, your weaknesses even more because you can't avoid an event because you don't like it because you go, well, I've got to do it. It's part of the event. And now you're maybe six months or a year behind everyone else in yeah. that particular category or whatever it might be or that particular lift so yeah you say you're playing catch-up aren't you straight away yeah, so I, I jumped into a competition quite soon again because i picked up on things quite quickly um made it through to the final of this competition and then absolutely fell apart on a snatch piece in the final the final was a big chipper uh, which basically a chipper is where you have quite a lot of reps or a number of exercises and you just work through the reps and the exercises as they're written down. And I think the fourth or fifth exercise to do was, was 15 snatches at a really light weight. On paper, it looks great, but I fell apart. I was literally, I was right. doing it. I just purely down to a lack of coaching and not really knowing actually what I was doing. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that cost me a few places in the final. Um, at that time, I wasn't hugely fussed or concerned about it. I was just happy to be out there competing. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, definitely a, get a coach early on, or at least get some personal training sessions within the gym that you go to. Yeah. So you can really, really iron out your weaknesses. Um, that'd be my main advice to someone who wants to get started. I okay. So, so you got in. You uh, you gradually got a coach. Uh, yeah. Started competing. Um, and then, so what's that? Probably half, half, four, five years in, would you say? Uh, yeah, about yeah, four, four years in, three years in. Yeah, three, three or four years in, um, I was competing, but just falling at certain hurdles, and I was just like, I need that objective view on how to get past these and how to structure my sort of my year's worth of training as opposed yeah. to the week before the event. Uh, so yeah, I got a coach, um, and then we worked together for well year upon year, really. Um, eventually, I mean, my, my goal was always to qualify for the CrossFit Games, and um, well, that's a that's a goal for a lot of people. Uh, whether or not they'll make it there or not, yeah, it's they probably won't, and that's that's the harsh reality of it. Especially as things are progressing at the speed they're progressing now, everyone's getting better. So you, know, you think we're putting some work in, well, guess what? Everybody else is putting that work yeah. in. So touching on that then, again, not so you've got to, so you start, you start CrossFit as in you, you you know, you start CrossFit three years in, four years in, you've already competed in a few, a few, a few things. Yeah. What, uh, you know, and not in a kind of big headed question way, but you must have thought, you know what? You've got you had a good best base level of strength already from when you started. You know, aerobic to for the swimming, I had that aerobic baseline and all yeah. the stuff. I had a good strength baseline. It was just yeah. holes. And then, so what made you go? Actually, you know what? Because as you say, in terms of the CrossFit Games, it I don't know if you might know that. What's the rough? You know the rough numbers from all, even just go uh, even just go UK or Europe. I'm not sure how it's structured now, but. You know, think about the statistics are very, very small that you from yeah. your gym is going to qualify for the games. That, that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So if you put that into numbers, if, if you can roughly, or maybe from when you even set out, because, you know, that, that pushes you up to that mentality of going, I go to the gym a lot. I like training. I really enjoy it, but I'm competitive. And I think here I could be in that top echelon of athletes so yeah what are the numbers like for that uh, a couple of years ago worldwide there was an excess of i think it was three hundred thousand people took part in 
the Open, which is the initial qualifying stage to get through to the finals, which is some of the games. So yeah, you're up against an awful lot of, of people. Um, the qualification process has changed over the years. Um, most people that know CrossFit will remember regionals. Now, based off the open qualifier, which is open to the world, um, if you were top, if you were top 60, it eventually whittled down to top 40. If you were in that top number of people in your region, which is UK or Europe, or you know, the world is divided into a certain number of regions. If you finished in the top bracket of that, you got through to the next qualification stage. Yeah. Which was regionals. Um, they've moved it now. It's, it's you know, some kind of sanctionals. Um, but again, it's a similar process. It's just the next stage after the yeah. open. Um, and then off regionals, you then had to place top five, I think it was. Mm. Depending on your region, it was between three and five. Uh, so you have to literally podium pretty much at your regional to then qualify for the games so it's, it's quite a big knockout stage up against an awful lot of people and over the years as crossfit sort of developed and become more and more widespread and wide known you're up against more and more people each year yeah um so yeah it's it's hard it is harder so over your uh so since you started competing so what i know you've been on a, a different types of games as well and different events i suppose even uk based european ones as well so what where have you been where would you say kind of your top three events and kind of your personal successes that you've that you've achieved individual events or competitions uh, oh yeah yeah sorry actual uh, competitions so oh. i know you did like, like uh like inferno you've done inferno before haven't you and uh that the uh what was the other one you did well you got to actually got to the europeans last year wasn't it was it year before yeah, so the last year of regionals before they changed the qualification process, um, again, people within CrossFit would know that that was the hardest year to qualify, um, just because of the sheer numbers of people doing it and the caliber of people that were trying to qualify. Um, I was, yeah, fortunate enough to iron out all of my weaknesses that for the previous four or five years I've been trying to work on. Um, yeah, ended up qualifying for qualifying for regionals which was yeah it was a massive massive achievement for me because i've spent so long trying to do it and falling short all the previous years yeah on something i mean there, there's one year i was ill so i couldn't really help that there was another year where my olympic lifting wasn't quite up to scratch the year before that my gymnastics wasn't quite up to scratch um so there's always something i've tripped at um but yeah in 2018 uh, i managed to iron all those weaknesses out and qualified for regionals, which was absolutely awesome experience. Um, placed thirty-ish, yeah, ish ish um, out of forty. Yeah, that weekend, uh, which was which for me was a you know, wicked achievement. Again, just up against a really high caliber uh, field of athletes. Regionals then ended, and sanctionals took over as a qualifying process. So again, your the caliber of people at sanctionals is the same as regionals. I it's the top guys battling out for a qualification spot for the games for the finals. Um, I did the French throwdown in 2019. Um, that was a really really good experience. Um, it was a heat wave, which was not the good experience part of it. Yeah. I, just, I absolutely died in the heat, um, but the weekend was brilliant. Um, the the number of different events that we had to do was really, really good. Um, probably my favourite from that weekend was a trail run and a sup board or sup paddle board. Okay, yeah. It was uh, the trail run was ten k in total, and after a k and a half doing the run, you had to hop onto a paddle board, a stand up paddle board. Do a 500 meter paddle and then get back on with the run uh i realized that weekend that i was not very good at stand-up paddleboarding <laughs> so <laughs> that uh, that cost me quite a few places in that event and it made me work a lot harder for the run to finish where i ended up finishing 
but the experience of it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, I was the oldest guy on the field by quite some way. Okay. I'd qualified for the elite category and I'd also qualified for the masters category that year. Um, when you're 35 and over in CrossFit, you're suddenly determined as old, you're old. So you fall into the masters age brackets, which is 35 to 39, 40 to 44, 45 to 40. So yeah, although I qualified uh, as an old person, I thought I've also qualified for the elite category and whilst I can still compete with them, I will. Um, so yeah, that was a really wicked weekend. Um, so yeah, the French is definitely in there as one of my best. Uh, the following year, competed in another sanctional, which was strength and depth. And that was London based, so it was on, on home turf. And I uh, ended up winning that one. Okay. Uh, that was a really good experience. It was it was nice being on, on home turf and that I wasn't having to deal with time differences or again, there was no heat wave that weekend, which is quite nice. So yeah, strength and depth London, that was brilliant. And that was on the lead up to qualifications for, um, that was this year. That was, a, that was a, a preparation competition, should we say, for my qualification for the games, which was this year. Yeah. Um, being masters, um, there is a separate qualification process for us guys. It's the online, it's the age group online qualifiers. You've done the open, which again is an online qualification process for the world. If you finish top 200 in your age group category, you get to do another qualification stage. And off that, they take the top 10. The top 10 go through to the games. Oh, okay. Which was the finals that have just been this weekend. And off that, I came 10th. So after five years, I think, of trying, um, yeah. I finally qualified. Uh, for my first games, COVID then hit, and yeah, that basically put an end to the whole season, really, which is uh, quite frustrating. But nothing you could do about it because you know, there's so much more going on in the world. Yeah. So in terms of that, then, so they did they not have any Masters games this year at all? Then no. So to limit uh, numbers competing again, at this stage, I didn't actually know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, have a big gathering of people um, so they got rid of all of the age group qualifiers they got rid of all of the team competitions yeah uh, within the age group qualifiers were also the teens so the under 18s okay uh, those three age group categories of that they got rid of all of those and then the the big bulk of people that are qualified for the elite sort of main category should we say yeah. They whittled those numbers down as well. Okay. So there's a lot of people who thought they had qualified, um, you know, legitimately had qualified uh, for the main event, uh, but then had their invitations rescinded because they were just told that to make, the, to make it as small as possible. They had to cut down the numbers. They had to draw the line somewhere, and where yeah, they, yeah. they drew the line, everyone below that line wasn't allowed to go. And so there was a lot of people that had qualified um, that were told that unfortunately their season was over and come back again next year yeah yeah so, so just touch on a couple of things so um right, i know we talked about numbers in terms of rough competitors in in crossfit you know worldwide europe as well and competitions um but is it fair to say again i'm no expert on crossfit at all i watch it i enjoy it i think it's a great spectacle and you know i massive respect for the athlete athleticism of everyone who does it but like the top level um elite category ones is it fair to say they're pretty much on par with um almost olympic athletes some of the lifts and things did i break up there the, no no, no i visually did audio, no. um the the current fittest female um has competed um at, I believe Olympics and Commonwealth, and she's like the Australian champion weightlifter. Yeah. Um, typically, though, CrossFitters are sort of like failed athletes in other sports. I say failed loosely. 
they've got as in, as in if you've got an olympic team and only 10 can go to the olympics for just for a, a random number they might be close to that but just not quite and i suppose you said that and that's going to come isn't it because if you're having this broad range of events yeah. whereas if you're an olympic weightlifter you are an olympic weightlifter all the time yes. you're not you're yeah. not then paddleboarding for two kilometers and then doing some rope climbs yeah 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 if you specialize in a sport i.e you're an, an olympic athlete you specialize that's your speciality the speciality in crossfit is you're a master of number jack of all yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the top guys they are very very good across pretty much everything yeah they i think to be the best but they've just got to be very very good yeah and I know, and you kind of dropped it in earlier. You said, um, "What did you say?" I think you said you were doing some snatches, and they were they were in that competition. They were light snatches. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's that thing, isn't it? Because a brand new person walks into the gym, whether they've watching the CrossFit Games or whether they're seeing you or someone who, who's even been in the CrossFit gym for twelve months, yeah. they can go, "Oh wow, I I want to lift that," and it's it takes a long time. You know, I think that's a fair thing to say, isn't it? So you've been talking eight years for your particular progress. Yeah. Um, and and you, I would say from, again, just knowing you from the outside, you're pretty dedicated. You train a lot. You're focused. You have a coach now. You know, that you're not just rocking up to a CrossFit gym once or twice a week and doing what's on the board. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all relative is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um rocking up to a gym and doing what's on the board it, it for, for a, time, a period of time it will make you fit it's a very general fitness program for, for a better word um it will get you fit across you know quite a few elements of sport or fitness cross it should we say yeah uh, but you will never excel at one thing um, the other i say loosely annoying thing with uh, class programming is that if you've got a strong weakness and it's something something comes up in class that you actually really need to go back to basics on there's not always that coached time within the class where they can spend a good dedicated amount of time with you to help you through your particular weaknesses uh, the great thing about crossfit is that everything's scalable um, and again, it's all relative. So, uh, for example, with a conditioning piece, there are prescribed weights that they would like to see you moving around. However, if you can't use that prescribed weight, then you would lighten the load. Um, if you can't, for say, example, do a box jump, they will allow a box step up. Yeah. If you can't do it at the height that they require, you can lower the height. So there are there are standards which eventually is, is a nice goal or a benchmark for you to aim towards. But if you can't hit it early on, or you know, even sort of quite a few months down the line, if you still can't hit what they're asking, you could always lighten or shorten you know, whatever's being asked of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can make that, and obviously the idea behind that is, as, as with any training, you, you're then personalizing your progress, aren't you? Yes. Uh, you, you're doing what you can do to, to progress to where you want to get to. Yeah, correct. And you know, if someone asks a max effort row, for example, someone might be a little bit disheartened if they've got the slowest time in the class. Um, but if you know that you gave your max effort, that's where the whole relative thing comes in. Because yeah. you know, max effort for me is also max effort for you. It doesn't matter what the times were at the end of it, but the fact that you've exerted yourself to what's being asked means you're going to get better. Mm. And the same for like a sort of strength test, for example, I've got a one rep max squat. As long as you know you've put your max effort in, then you're going to improve and you are going to benefit from what's been asked. Yeah. Well, so yeah, everything, everything's relative. I often have clients say, oh, but you know, I, I finished at the same time as them, but I found the weight particularly hard. You know, I, I didn't go as heavy as they did. Yeah. And but it's you know heavy again is, is relative because what's mm. heavy for me 
might not be heavy for you. Or it oh, yeah. Might, might be heavy yeah. yeah. Uh, so the idea of some of the conditioning pieces in CrossFit, uh, if it's like a certain number of repetitions for time, there is a expected time domain where you are expected to finish in. Um, if you're not finishing within that, I would suggest you've either gone too heavy or your fitness really, really sucks. Mm. Um, if you've gone too heavy, the next time you go lighter. Yeah. Make your fitness fall up to you can be so much a bit easier. Um, but it'll also you know, give you a bit of an insight into your fitness. Do you need to do more easy aerobic training just to train your heart rather than going ham every time and dying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, you're dying on the floor. All you're actually getting better at doing is dying. <laughs> if you want to improve your aerobic fitness, i.e. go for longer, recover better between sets, then you need to train your aerobic fitness so you keep things at comfortable-ish pace. Yeah. Heart rate's doing. You can go by a guide of feel, a rate of perceived exertion. Again, you know, you don't want that in the red zone or you know, nine out of ten on the effort level. Yeah, you keep things repeatable, um, and that's the way to improve your aerobic fitness rather than just trying to end yourself in every session. Yeah, trying to stay within that threshold, isn't it? It's trying to, yeah. it, it, and it, it, it can be, it, and it can be hard to judge, isn't it? As well, you know, it really can be because so then, then otherwise you can then get to the end of a session or a particular, you know, part of a session, and you go, ah, oh, I could have gone a little bit harder there. You know, there's, the, there's that very fine balancing act. That's the side of it that you want to be on, though. You want to be like, okay, I, I could have gone harder, hmm. rather than going too hard, failing, dying, and then not actually getting the, the benefit of the workout that it would have been prescribed for you. So if, if a workout, the, you know, the dose response is meant to be like an aerobic piece, and you end up going off at 95%, of your pace and you die within 45 seconds of a five minute workout well yeah that you've kind of lost the whole point of that doing that workout whereas as you say if you've if the thing is right 2000 meter row as fast as possible your yeah. goal is to go as fast as possible for 2000 meters that's the that's the point of that test isn't it i suppose yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. it's um completely depends yeah um right and so um journey up until now again covid hit this year for yourself yeah, um, at your still ripe young age of 30 yeah, right where what's what's up next what's in the next two to five years let's say rough what do you what are you still planning for and what are you still hoping to achieve okay so until COVID hit, which cancelled out my chance to compete at the games. Um, in my head, I had it, I would take a loose back seat and not commit so much. It, it takes an awful lot of time and effort to get to that top level. And I've done Just it quickly to interrupt there then, what are you talking? Let's say average week, how many hours training or mobilising Recovering, what do you reckon? For another span of the works down, it depends on the time of the season. If it's an off season where you're, well, for me personally, I'm training once a day, um, the session could be anything between 30 and maybe 90 minutes. Okay. Again, that depends on what I'm doing. Uh, at my age, I need a little bit longer now to warm up for heavy loads. Yeah. So if not squats or if I'm doing Olympic lifting so therefore it's not complicated movement pieces there's a lot of moving parts I need to spend a little bit more time on mobilizing warming up so those sessions tend to push towards the 90 minute mark if it's an easy aerobic session with some simple gymnastic skills thrown in that could be down towards the half hour mark or if it just interval work for half an hour or you know, continuous aerobic piece for 30 ish minutes that tends to be the, the lower end of the sessions. Um, but most weight training sessions are pushing 90 minutes at the moment. Okay. Doing that three days on, one day active recovery. Two days on, one day off. Okay. Okay, so really I have a 10 day cycle, six, 
five to six days of something at the moment off season out of 10 days roughly I don't know, know, if, know if you go for seven days a week so Monday to Sunday one yeah. day nothing I say nothing I'm, I'm still doing housework playing with the kids <laughs> um, I'm doing something on six of those days okay one of those six sessions is easy like super super easy recovery stuff so it could be a yoga session it could be just yeah. a purposeful long walk as opposed to the normal school runs and stuff okay. yeah just something to help promote recovery really so, so that's your off season that's off season so then what's your kind of on season or leading up to a games and how 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 far in advance would that be then roughly for yourself so on season for the open um i've got roughly a 10 to 12 week preparation phase okay. um and that is two sessions two round two four six seven eight nine sessions a week okay still having one day off yeah after the open and on lead up to so the sanctionals so the sanctionals and if we had done it this year the games uh every weekend for six ish weeks beforehand would be a games or a competition simulation prep okay so i would try and run those weekends as a competition so i would do two events on a friday three events on a saturday and then three events on a sunday so it would be a monday new it would be an a.m noon and p.m session right okay um, and then monday off uh tuesday wednesday training thursday recovery and then again friday saturday right. sunday so really very specific for the games that sounds yeah 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 oh wow okay really training for that weekend um the games they had 11 events this weekend i think there was seven maybe eight events um at strength and depth um at the beginning of the year and those events can take their toll on you especially if you're not prepared in training for that amount of events in a day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all about trying to acclimatize the body, knowing what it's like to have to work hard, recover, work hard again, recover. Yeah. So you're getting hit with quite a big cortisol dump multiple times yeah. throughout. Yeah, I bet, definitely. And if you're not used to it, you'll get smoked. So the six weeks-ish build up before a massive competition, it's just about getting the system used to the stresses and then used to dealing with recovery and just managing that recovery as best you can. So when it comes to game day, you know what to do. And you know, once the event's finished, you're, you're actively recovering in preparation for the next one. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, the majority of people, they finish a class, they just go home. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas at these competitions, I'm straight on a rower or on a salt bike or I'm going for a long walk for 20 minutes after an event just to flush the blood away promote recovery then do some stretching <sighs> massage if needed uh, making sure my food's all on point you know that's that's all prepared um, and that's based off how the previous six ish weeks have have gone um, so there's, there's no guesswork you know, i'm not introducing anything new that weekend i'm not taking any pre-workout because it's a free sample you know, the weekends are very strict and it's it's based off how the previous six-ish weeks preparation is, is okay right so um so going back then i interrupted anyway but going back so yeah is a covid hit this year so going forward yeah, still so going forward so i didn't get to compete this year yeah so the goal is still although i've qualified i would still love to go and compete and actually get the chance to express my fitness and throw it down with fellow competitors uh so that was the plan for next year um but when covid hit um plans changed and everything and we decided to have a third, third little baby yeah yeah the qualification is now so the qualification for my stages of getting to the games start yeah. two weeks after this little one's due okay so i'm gonna be stupidly sleep deprived and i don't think it's it, it's not fair <laughs> On myself as well to commit so much time for then 
you know, possibly not to be able to express myself as fully as I have done in the past. Yeah. Just, no, yeah. 100%. So this year I'm going to see how I do as opposed to specifically training for it. So I've got a, I've got a rough plan, um, and I will try to qualify. But what I'm not going to do is commit as much time or get too upset if things don't quite go to plan, because there's a lot of unknowns coming up. Um, so okay, uh, <laughs> get to the answer. <laughs> going to see how I fare with qualifying without doing a specific training plan for it. Okay. Um, and that's pretty just to see see where I you know, see how things go and see what works, see what doesn't. Then the year after, get my head back down and really go for it. Um, part of my decision process with that as well is I'm not actually too sure what next year is going to look like regarding the competitive season. I still believe there will be travel restrictions. Yeah, yeah. Don't crowd still might not be working, you know, big large events still might not be the same. It still all might be online, you just don't know, do you? There's a lot of uncertainty, and what I don't want to do is commit so much time towards something for the goalposts to then get changed again. So I'm gonna wait for things to settle down a little bit before I throw myself back into it fully. Uh, and again, you know, I've I've got a much more important bigger focus with the new one coming now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, put all my time towards that um, and then a couple of years of doing that I'll just reassess where the goalposts are i.e. what the competitions are like you know, can I travel to them all the, all the other things that have been amazing with competitions in the past COVID at the moment is putting an awful lot of restrictions on things yeah and it's just a, it's just a stress that I don't really want to deal with or have to think about yeah no it's, uh, it adds to the stress of actually training for the event doesn't it you know so it's uh so I'm going to see how the next couple of years go, and again, that will loosely determine when I get my head back onto it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got a few years left in me. I've still got that fire my day too. <laughs> so anyway, the goal. Those, those years, you know, well, you know yourself already from having two, those years will fly by. With oh, yeah. Even, especially with the little one again, it was back, you know, back square one. They'll be flying by. So it's, uh, it'll yeah. be there. The next foreseeable future is ticking over with the with a possible chance of jumping into a competition if there's a suitable one there um and then yeah in a couple of years time where the goalposts i believe will be fixed then i know what i'm exactly what i'm doing um, yeah another, another run for it good that sounds like a plan oh now with a plan don't got a plan <laughs> fall apart aren't you yeah, yeah. Um, right, James, let's wrap it up. Um, thanks for your time. You Where me. can um, people find you or if they want to check out any of your stuff, information, whether that's, you know, social media or work business, where's the best place to find you? Okay, so most of it, I'm, I'm on Facebook, but I, I've drifted off it recently. I check it every couple of days just to clear the notifications, really. Um, I'm fairly active, I say very active on Instagram. Um, the name, uh, my name's just James St. Ledger. Um, I'll, my, I'll put the link in the, uh, the little... Okay, so um, my coaching page is linked through on the like About Me thing. Um, that's just St. Ledger Fitness. Um, so yeah, if you, I mean, message me on either page with questions, help, advice, you know, whatever, you, whatever you've got for me, I will uh, yeah. answer to the best of my ability. And um, yeah, it's been fun, buddy. Brilliant. Right. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, Dave. Thank you very much. And we'll speak to you soon. Yes. All right. Take it to bed. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening as well. Yeah, thank you, guys.